Mm -mm. I wish I had about 10 people in here who really love the Lord with me. One more time. Give the Lord praise. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I believe that we pursue truth, and it is something that we do with our minds, but I believe that we can experience God and we can worship him in the spirit. I believe that evangelicals can build the most amazing theological fireplace. But sometimes, forgive my grammar, there ain't no fire in it. I mean, we can have all of our reform theology and we can have everything straight philosophically and apologetically and all that stuff. And we can explain it all and have it all just in a nice little theological package but if it doesn't have some fire of the presence of the Holy Spirit and some joy in it, we're missing it. Now, let me just say this. Because I grew up a Pentecostal, I can say this. Fire that is just running loose can be destructive. And so there are elements that I have removed myself from, from my Pentecostal heritage, because just, just jumping goofy is not going to do anything. It's not going to change the world. I mean, you might feel good. Now, you had a chance to get your shout on this morning. If you didn't take advantage of it, that's your fault, not mine. <laughs> I told him, I said, I'm going to do this. Was that all right, y'all? I'm going to tell you, it's all right whether you think it was or not. Because we're just, we're just worshiping God and loving him. I believe that I should love the Lord my God with my mind. But I also believe that I should love him with my whole body, with all my strength, the Bible says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so not only do I want to build a people that are a thinking people, I want to build a people that are not afraid to, to let a little bit of intensity in their praise out because our God is worthy of it. Come on, somebody. All right. Now, I want you to know, last service, I preached so late, I had to send my daughter home and get me another shirt because that's, that's how much I got into it. Um, I'm ready, bro. Second round. Somebody ding the bell. I'm ready. Uh, I, I, I prepared, I prepared this message this week and God got up in the middle of it and just changed the whole thing. And, uh, I, I, I planned this series and man, pastor Alex, man, I love that dude. I'm telling you, he just absolutely knocked the ball out of the park last Sunday. I, I, I just want to stop a second and say, I'm so thankful for this, the staff that's happening here, the, the team like we've never had before. Uh, pastors that God is bringing to us. Pastor Haley's doing such an amazing job with our children, Pastor Jeremy with our youth. And then you guys, you heard Pastor Alex last Sunday. One more time, give them all a hand. It's just so awesome. Praise God. Knocked the ball out of the park because I designed the series to do the, deal with these four concepts. Jesus was born to live. Last week, Pastor Alex took the, the, the second part, live to die. G, he, I love his titles. Jesus was on a kamikaze mission. His mission statements are summed up in, I have come for, or for this reason I came to this hour. Jesus didn't shirk the responsibility of the shame of the cross. I had a great message that was all prepared, and I was going to talk to you a little bit about Martin Luther's understanding of the hidden glory and the hidden victory of the cross, because it really is a picture of great shame. Um, and it's like, I was looking at passages, and God just got up in the middle of this thing, and I'm sitting at my counter in my kitchen, and I'm drinking my coffee, and I'm doing my Bible reading, and I'm reading it, and I just start weeping. 
because God just started to stir this thing on the inside of me. And so much rather than just preaching a great message, he just said, I really want to minister to and I want to heal the hearts and the wounds of the people this week. And, and so I threw all that stuff away and I've got three scriptures that I want to just jump into real quickly. And so if we could just put those up this morning. I'd like you to read the, the first one with me. It's from John chapter 19. And it says this, read out loud. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, everybody say finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine, everybody say vinegar. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Next verse is just one scripture from Galatians chapter 3. Read this one with me too. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's from the Old Testament. And then finally, this one is about seven or eight verses. So I'm going to grab this. I'll tell you at the end when to come in and read with me. But let's just listen now. Let's get this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. It's one we all have to fight. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity. Everybody say God In him the whole Godhead dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him, that's in Christ, in him also you were circumcised. This is Old Testament analogy now. Because circumcision was the seal of the old covenant. It's what identified you whether or not you were in Israel, in the covenant people or not. In him also you were circumcised, except it's different in the New Testament now, with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And this is how he says we do it. Having been buried with him in baptism. This is why it's so important if you've made a fresh start in Christ that you take your next step and you get water baptized because it deals, it buries the old man in the watery grave of the past. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. It's the picture of the resurrection. Raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now this is where we come in together. Read with me. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him. Hear this having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Read that last sentence with me. Go back. That's where the period is. Say it again. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, don't even go yet. One more time. I want you to hear this. Every legal demand against you from the Old Testament law of God, everything that you or I have personally ever broken, and we've all broken them all. 
everything that the law of God and his righteous requirement and his holy nature would cry out against us and point where we have missed it. Say it now. Come on. This he set aside. Say it with like I do. Come on. Say it. This he set aside, nailing it to his cross. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? He didn't just stop there. He didn't just take away the penalty of your sin and mine. He said, I ain't finished yet. Come on, let's go. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus, we thank you for this time today. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this service. We worship you. We are nothing. You are everything. We are sinful and you are holy. We are needy and you are all sufficient. God, we bow before you. We bow our knee. We bow our will. We bow our hearts at the foot of the cross. And we ask you today to make this come alive in each of us. Lord, let us not consider, let, let, let us not fail, O oh God, to consider the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ in each of our lives this morning and how powerful it is. And I ask you for this in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. We are gospel-soaked. We are preaching-saturated. Amos said that in the last days there would be a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. You, we've got multiple Christian radio and television stations that are dedicated to the proclamation of the gospel. It's being broadcast by radio waves and microwave and shortwave and it's being tweeted and it's being Facebooked and it's street corner preaching and it's guys holding up signs at the, at the World Series saying John 3.16 and it is literally inundating us. But the Bible didn't say there would be a famine for the words of the Lord. It said there would be a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. I think some of you just got help me, shepherd. Come on, preach, little boy. There would be a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. And so while it's being broadcasted upon every available means possible, Sometimes there are calluses that have developed in our hearts and in our hearing to what we see. This is why we stop and we remember. When we remember something, we take the members that have been separated and we remember them. We bring, we recollect, we pull it all back together in our thinking. We stop and we pause and we think about the, the amazing substitutionary sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave for us in dying on the cross at Calvary. The God-man who knew no sin came and became the sin-bearer for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The same chapter says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, bringing together warring parties, those that were at enmity with one another. I think about these last moments that we read first in John. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's already been up there about three hours. He's endured all night trials before religious and civil authorities. He's endured the mocking of soldiers who wove together a crown of thorns and pushed it down into his skull to the point that the blood began to run over his face. Mistreating him and falsely accusing him, they grabbed him and 
pluck the hairs from his beard so that literally his visage, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, his visage is so marred he had no likeness to that of a man. There was nothing about him that we would look upon him and desire him. He was a root out of dry ground, the scripture says. We esteemed him smitten and stricken of God and afflicted. Literally what took place, what happened to him was not just the hands of sinful men, but it was literally the hand of a father who demanded the righteous propitiation, the settlement for God's wrath that deserved the whole world would be poured out upon, but Jesus himself became the sacrifice, the offering for us, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. He endured three trials. He's up all night long. He's being dragged from one location to the next, being questioned, being interrogated. And every time he opens his mouth with grace, without accusation, without retaliation, he's beaten and flogged a cat of nine tails with pieces of bone and metal in those long strips of leather that literally plowed open his back to the point that sinews and muscles and tissues and organs were exposed and he just became a bloody pulp and he starts the march down the Via Dolorosa, the way of the blood. I've walked that path in Jerusalem, in Israel. I was there a few years ago and was with a number of our Every Nation pastors, the group that I'm a part of and that our church is a part of, and we had an amazing guy named Aryeh who was a messianic, spirit-filled messianic Jew who was our tour guide who took us all over the place. We spent a couple of days at the Sea of Galilee and on the Sea of uh, at Tiberias. And uh, we were at Capernaum. We, were, uh, we, we visited just a number of places that you typically expect to go to when you do a Holy Land tour. One of the things that so impressed me when we got to Jerusalem and we went to the Temple Mount and all of this all-day education. And it, the thing that was so amazing about this was this, this was we were able to combine the intellectual and the experience of the Spirit because Aria would teach and then we would just start to worship and we'd sense the presence of God would come and sometimes other tour groups would join in with us. It was such an amazing outpouring of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We were there at the upper room where the 120 were on the day of Pentecost and we, we were before the, the, the great hill that's called Golgotha that literally is called, Golgotha means the place of the skull. And there is a place today in Jerusalem that because two caves enter in there, literally look like two eye sockets. And they believe that was the place where Jesus was crucified. And, and when we read the passage in the, the Gospel of John, it's those last moments after he's already been on the cross and Jesus has already uttered those famous words out of Psalm 22 when in that moment... He felt the presence of his father turn from him and there was a sense of divine rejection and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Every moment, Jesus is enduring the pain, dying a slow death of asphyxiation as the blood begins to fill his lungs. He takes everything that he can to press from his feet that are both nailed together with one long spike then the spike in each of the wrists here it wasn't in the hands this is too tender it's too just a piece of flesh literally it went through the bone in the wrist and in order to breathe on the cross he would have to lift himself up and hoist himself up because his lungs are continuously hour by hour filling up with the fluid as death encroaches and he pushes himself up in this moment and he says, I thirst. 
In that moment, they took a hyssop branch, a very common plant in Israel. Solomon wrote about it in the Chronicles in the book of Ecclesiastes. He talks about the hyssop that springs out of the wall. And if you will remember with me for just a moment, that was the plant that God specifically prescribed that the children of Israel were supposed to use before they left Egypt on the night of the Passover. They were to slay a lamb, one for per family, one per house, a lamb for every household. They were to slay the lamb and shed the blood and they were to dip the hyssop into the blood and they were to strike the lentils of the doorposts, literally, horizontally, horizontally and vertically. There were three strikes, one over either side of the doorpost and one over the top, which literally gave them a picture, a prophetic prefiguring. It was three crosses over their doorpost. It was a picture showing them 2,000 years from now, the one who will be the Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world, will become the sacrifice for you, and you will see it under the sign of three crosses. They struck the lentils with the hyssop. It was with that same common branch. The soldiers that day heard Jesus say, I thirst, and they took a sponge and they put it on the end of the hyssop and they, they dipped the sponge into a jar of sour wine, vinegar. This is the part that I really doubt that probably 99% of you have ever even heard. I, I didn't hear it until I went to Israel and Arie as a Jew, as a Messianic Jew, a completed Jew who now believes in Jesus, told us about this. He said, in that particular time, sponges were used in a very, very common, really kind of a base sort of a way. They were used for, for cleaning in public restrooms. Public restrooms didn't mean that you had a nice toilet and flush and then the water and it would take away. But literally, there would be a place where the men would go and a place where the ladies would go. And there were restroom attendants that were there that had on branches a sponge. And they were basically paid to make sure that when you finished, they had a long stick and they had a sponge on the end of it. And because they didn't have running water and didn't have antiseptic, they would dip those sponges into vinegar. Because vinegar was an antiseptic. It was a sterilizing product. And dipping those sponges into vinegar. And very, very, very much like if you go to a fine restaurant today, you'll, you may see a gentleman standing in there, a, rest, a restroom attendant, and he'll have a little bit of polo and a little bit of agua de joe and some gray flannel, and you can get some scope, and you can freshen up a little bit, and you drop a little dollar in the, in the plate there that he has, and he'll, he'll squeeze some liquid soap into your hand. For I don't know about you. That's always freaked me out. I want to do my very own bathroom stuff by myself. I don't know about y'all. You go to some of those places, you know, and they're just nice. And it's like, I want, okay, I got this, man. I, I, I'm covered here, okay? <laughs> but in the very same way, you go to some of those places, you see the restroom attendants. These were people who were the lowest of the low. They were the very most common base of the servants who were there for the purpose of making sure that you had some hygiene after you, you did your, your, your business. And Arie told us that the sponge that was dipped into that vinegar had a very, very significant meaning. They were literally shoving into the face of that man who was being crucified. The very lowest of all things. Can you imagine with me this morning if you would think about Jesus dying on the cross and he is just about to utter the last words. He's about to say it is finished. To tell us die, it's paid in full. It's all been dealt with. But before he does that, he has to get the taste of the nastiest expression of humanity on the tip of his tongue. And that's a, a very meager attempt to 
sterilized with some vinegar, human excrement. And it's stuck in his mouth. Jesus tasted death for every man. He tasted your junk and mine. He is not shocked at what you're struggling with this morning. As a matter of fact, he is very personally aware and he is very much involved. The Bible says now at this point, he lives to make intercession. He is praying for you, calling you by name. But what I want to say to you this morning was in that moment, this is where we lose sight of this because we have, we've made the cross become an accessory in our jewelry box. Madonna wears them oversized on her ears and they're dangling as she shakes everything else around. And rock stars wear them almost as a religious mockery and we lose sight of what it means. I mean, do do you hear what I'm saying? It's not just a nice piece of all of a sudden religious jewelry that's become cool to wear. It would be the equivalent of if I wore a little symbol of an electric chair around my neck. It was a symbol of execution. It was punitive. It was, this is the end for you, buddy. The government's declared dead, zilch, zero, nada. You no longer exist. We are doing away with you. Maybe a gas chamber. Maybe some syringes to represent a lethal injection. I could get my ear pierced and wear that. What do you think? It's the same thing. We're celebrating the execution of someone. Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, took upon himself, became the sin bearer. And if if I can help you understand by virtue of bringing you something that you've never ever heard before, because I'd never heard it before, and I've studied and read theology and listened to preachers from every across the whole gospel spectrum, and I've never heard anybody say that. When Aurier heard that, it touched something down deep in my heart, and I realized that God literally in his son Jesus Christ, tasted of the lowest of the low, I'm going to just get real plain, of the crap in your life and mine. And he did away with it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The Bible says in Galatians 3, we read that, by becoming a curse for us. For the scripture says it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs On a tree. And Jesus hung on a tree, crucified, died for us. This morning, as I bring this down to a close, I I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Martin Luther, who talked about the hidden glory and the hidden victory in the cross, because it's it's a symbol of shame. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus endured. He despised the shame and he endured the opposition of sinful men because of the joy that was set before him. He knew what would be accomplished on the other side of it. He knew that if he obeyed the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that the rulers of this age would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they had known. See, the devil and the hordes of hell, all the imps begin to dance when Jesus hung on the cross, and he said those final words, it is finished, because they thought, we've got him. This place really is ours now. We've been groveling for it, trying to take hold of it, because the devil knows the earth is the Lord's. And for a couple of days there, he thought he had it in his pocket, 
And it looked like to the disciples, complete and total defeat, utter agony. Well, this is just not how we planned it. This Jesus that we knew and believed in, he, we, 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 we knew that he was the Messiah. I'm sure that the disciples talked among themselves and were grieving over the fact that the dreams that they had all of a sudden seemed to come crashing down all at once. And for three days, it looked like it. What we will celebrate next Sunday is all about his conquering that and coming out of the grave. We're going to shout, get on the team with me and invite somebody, get them here next Sunday. Because it'll all be about the gospel. Now, just for the next few moments, I just want to ask you, will you please take a minute? Because I, I, I know that probably most everyone in the room this morning knows Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. But will you just take a moment and try to disengage from that and pretend with me that all of you are, are pre-BC. You're pre-before Christ. It's before the time you've made the, you've made the decision. You've, you've responded to the, the effectual call of the Spirit in your life to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you're hearing this for the very first time. God, help us to hear this with fresh ears. The thing that grabbed me as I prepared this and I had the whole message ready and God just seemed to just rain on all of it and said, no, get away. Do, do, leave that alone. I know what I want to do. I want to touch the hearts of these people. That There are things that they're carrying uh, that, that are defining them. There are things in their past. There are issues that they face. There are victims in this room who had things done to them that they didn't choose. Some of them reacted and did things that made the situation worse. There are people in this room whose marriages are on the rocks. There are situations where dreams are broken and they look like there's absolutely no possibility of any resurrection or any faith pulling it out. People in the room, yes, you've finally gotten free from the, from the addiction that has marked your life for a couple of decades, but now you grieve in such a sense of, finally I'm free, but I've so wasted my life. Decisions that you've made, actions that you have taken, courses that you have walked upon, roads that you've traveled, people you've hung out with, things that you've done and you regret that and you, there's a guilt and there's a shame and there's all of this that you carry. And let me tell you something, I am in the boat with you. I experienced things as a child that a child shouldn't have to experience. I was a victim of some things. And thank God, I know that I don't have to let that mark my life. Amen. Things that happen to us and things that we have personally done may make us who we are today, but they do not have to define who we can become in the future. And I got to this passage in Colossians and I'm reading through it and I'm sitting at the counter in my kitchen and the Spirit of God just begins to wash over me and I, it's tangible. I could cut it with a knife. I just began to weep in the presence of the Lord. I just said, thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. And I just began to rejoice in His presence. And I saw in the Spirit, I had a picture, I saw in the Spirit what we we're about to do in this room in this moment. And I'm thinking about the phrase where it said, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And all of its legal demands that the law has, this he set aside, nailing it to his cross. 
And I'm starting to think about the things that happened to me. I'm starting to think about the things that I've done. And I'm just thinking through just the big ten. You shall have no other gods before my face. And I'm thinking about the times that I've put things over God. Maybe this church. Maybe my need for things. Maybe a vision. And I'm thinking about the idols that I've had in my heart. And I'm thinking about the times that I may not have ever actually said God and put the word damn behind it. But I'm thinking about the times that I've gone through religious motions and taken the name of God in vain in that way. And I'm thinking about how I've gone through the, 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 just the, the charismatic calisthenics and I've done church and sometimes been here but not my heart really in it and how I really haven't kept the Sabbath holy before God. And I'm thinking about how I've not always honored my mother and my father. I'm going down through the commandments in order if you don't know what I'm doing. And you know what? I've never killed anybody but God knows I've been mad enough I've wanted to. I've never committed adultery against my wife, but I've looked on a woman with lust in my heart, and I guess that makes me an adulterer in my heart. That's what Jesus said. I stole a candy bar from the picking sack when I was eight. <laughs> Mama, you didn't know that. <laughs> that makes me a thief. I wish that I could say that every time in my mouth, that in my life that I had opened my mouth, that I'd always told the truth. I haven't. I've lied. I wish that I could say that every time I see somebody else that's working hard and is blessed with whatever, you just fill in the blank, the boat, the house with the three-car garage, I wish that every time, most of the time, I, I look at people and I really am not a jealous person. And I look at people and I go, thank you, Lord, bless them, praise God. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, at the, I'm in between a rock and a hard place. I'm sorry. I get between a rock and a hard place and I have, throw myself a little pity party. And that's the kind you throw and nobody shows up at you. And I go, God, why? I'm working hard. I'm laying, my, I'm laying my life down here for you in the kingdom of God. And I want to know why I had to struggle with this and why it takes every bit of faith I got just to try to make this in me here. Is anybody in the room here what I'm talking about? I've done stuff I wish I hadn't done. I've made choices in the past. I wish I could go back and redo them again. I've been a victim, but I realize I don't have to play a victim the rest of my life. My past may make me who I am right now, but it doesn't have to define who I can become. Amen.
need a couple of guys to come get the cross. For the rest of these few moments in this service today, I want you to do what I've been doing. I'm writing down some things that though I know with all my heart that have been covered by the blood, sometimes they still have a way of coming up in front of me. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a piece of paper in your seat this morning. There's a pen. Every one of you have it. Please honor the person next to you and don't be looking around to see what they're going to write because everybody in the room's got something. It may be a present struggle. It may be a past sin. You may have already prayed and asked God to forgive you for it. And you know what? If you have, you can be confident of that. But I'm going to tell you, I believe God wants to deal with it in finality and make you know that that does not determine who you're going to be in the future. I want you to take this time right now as Abby plays softly. I believe that the Spirit of God is speaking to hearts in this room right now and in this service. I deliberately didn't print a bulletin today because I didn't want to have the obligation of trying to fill in blanks because God said he wanted to minister to the hearts of people. Jesus hung on the cross and the last taste in his mouth was the lowest of the low of humanity. Taste of human excrement. He's dealt with your junk. And he said, it's finished. Every legal demand of the holy law of God, Jesus paid the price, the penalty for your sin. He hung on the cross and became the sacrifice for you. The Bible says he put it aside nailing it At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, was there by faith I received 
the day at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and this one more time at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by I received my sight and now I am happy all the day The blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Washes white as snow. One more time now.
blood, just the voices. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Sing, oh, the blood of Jesus. While you're still standing, every head bowed, every eye closed, I will never, ever again make the assumption and come into this room the way I did for years that everybody in the house was a believer. And I want you, if you would please, right now, if you do not have that confidence that if you were to die right now that you would be in the presence of Jesus, you can have that and all you have to do is just cross that line of faith and say, Jesus, I believe you, I trust you. Save me. It's a recognition that you can't do anything by yourself. That you're utterly bankrupt. It's only by his grace he took my place. He took yours too. And all he asks you to do is to reach out to him and respond. He right now is moving by the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. And he's tugging on your heart. He's tapping your shoulder. The Bible says he's calling his own sheep by name, and he's calling your name right now. He's calling. You can hear his voice. You feel him tugging at your heart. This was an act of faith this morning. Maybe you've already come, and you came today, and it was then that act that you put your trust in Jesus. This morning, I just want to pray with you. We're not going to call anybody to the front, just like these things that are nailed to the cross. This side was the first service. Your side is that one that we just put up there. They're all anonymous. They'll be pulled off and burned. It's between you and God, and he's already set it aside and nailed it to his cross. 
But this morning, he's asking you to make that choice, to step toward him in faith. Take one step of faith. And if you would, if you'd like to be included in this prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would, just slip your hand up right where you are. Is there anybody in the room? I see. Yes. Several. Two, three. Give you just a moment. There's another one. Yes, just went up. I see you, sir. Thank you, my brother. Anybody else? Put your hands down with all of my heart now, with every head still bowed, every eye closed. I just want to ask you, we're not counting these. I, I just want to say to you, God's already given me a fresh start today. And if you can say that in your heart, would you just slip your hand up? Just a new start, a new, a new perspective all over the room. I knew it would be because he showed me he was going to do this. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these on the front end of this who've asked us to pray for them because they're crossing that line of faith today. And they're saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you. They've put their trust in you and they're saying, Jesus, I turn from my past. It no longer defines me. I turn to you and I embrace you at the cross. Change my life. Change my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, for each and every one of us in this room this morning who've walked with you and we've known you, God, thank you that you've given us a fresh glimpse of the cross, that you tasted death for every man. That God, you know the junk that we struggle with right now and thank you that you, you nailed it to the cross and it no longer has to define us. It doesn't have to have any power over us. You've taken it away. You've destroyed it. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. We submit our hearts to you. Fill up the void that's made us pursue those things. The drugs, the sex, the relationships the money, all those wrong pursuits. Lord, thank you that you fill us up with your spirit and we realize we can't be satisfied unless we're filled with you. In Jesus' name. All of God's people said.